My guests are diverse. Their stories are moving, outrageous and empowering, who have not only acted on their beliefs, but achieving great things and whose voices are sweeping across our nation. I'm excited for you to join me at Loud Passions and meet passionate people who are dedicated, conscious creatives, fighting for their purpose and who love this planet. Welcome to Loud Passion with me, your host, Susanna Galan. My next guest is a leader on the rise, and when she's empowered, she's unstoppable. She's a woman on a mission against sexual exploitation, abuse, and assault, and is impacting women to heal body shame. She is the founder and CEO of Poland Dance Studios, a thriving network of Pole and aerial dance studios in San Francisco and Oakland. She's also the author of a memoir, Becoming California, and currently looking for representation. She is also a pro bono attorney, representing clients in divorce, child custody, domestic violence, and asylum cases. When she's not splitting her time between Berkeley and Portland, you can see her dropping performance on Netflix, Strip Down, Rise Up, which explores women's reclaiming their body and lives with the movement of pole dancing. For her, pole is not just about the body, it's about the mind. And that is the highest compliment we can give ourselves. But freedom emerges when we learn to love ourselves enough to heal, nurture, and dare to imagine. Welcome, Amy Bond. Hi. Hey. I got to tell you, I'm not uh, savvy with pole dancing, but but not because... Okay, the best way to explain it is not because I'm naive. I just didn't... I don't know if I felt confident enough to just jump in when it Mm -hmm. first... I think about a decade ago it first came out, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been pole dancing for 11 years. And yeah. I feel like, yeah. oh, gee. <laughs> and I totally understood it. It was just, mm-hmm. I'm one of those women who want to do it, but not sure. Or not sure about the pole dancing. Just that confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even about shame. It's just about balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ovaries. <laughs> talk, talk me, because I probably represent a lot of women who are listening, going, oh, yeah. God, of course I would like to learn how to look like I'm from Cirque du Soleil and, and trim down. I, one of the things I noticed, though, because I'm an avid watcher of dancers and movers, is that you are very strong. You are different from other dancers. And if I were to ask you, how do you feel like your body expresses itself because I think that's something that would definitely inspire me and other women to mm-hmm. learn that if we develop something or we can walk through pole and learn something about what it took for us to go through our personal journey or overcoming, for some people, sexual shaming, your body's a direct expression. So it says to me, just looking at your body, you went through shit. You went through <laughs> hell. And you're out there, bold and fierce, and probably very sensitive. What does that look like for you? What, was, what did that journey look like for you, and how have you noticed it change in your movement and dance? I think what you bring up is a really good point. When I first started pole dancing, and when I first opened my first pole dance studio, one of the things a lot of people would say was, oh, I don't know if that's for me, because the heels make me nervous, and... I think that society has come a good amount of way in the last 
10 years from being worried about being associated with sex work to being much more open-minded about it. We obviously still have a lot more room to go in that sense. But now the number one thing I hear from people is, I don't think I can pole dance. I'm just not that strong. And when I started pole dancing, I couldn't even do a pull-up. So right. uh, it's everyone starts at the beginning. And obviously, you're not doing Cirque du Soleil-style tricks in your first class. But not in your first class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in your dreams, you are you look like Jenny Butterfly doing Cirque du Soleil yeah. tricks. Totally. And, and the reality, I'm doing a pre-virtual series right now with people who have never done dance at all before and we're doing a lot of movement that is on the floor and from the comfort of people's own living rooms and that that builds a lot of strength and fluidity in the body as well so sometimes what is pole dancing moves are on the ground and very dancey floor work style movements that can eventually be taken onto a pole or transition into a pole move. But a lot of pole dance is actually floor dance and groundwork dancing. And there's so many different ways of expressing movement. My style is a little bit more what we call hard in pole. So it's got like a hard style in that it is has a little bit more dynamic gymnastic style movement in it. And that's the thing though, pole can be so many things to so many different people. You can take a lyrical dancer and put lyrical movement into a pole routine. You can do more of my style, which is gymnastics and flips and heavy heels work and a lot of clacks and throws. Whoa. And yeah. Or you can, we have many people who perform more of a balletic style and- yeah. And it's just so many things to so many different people. Please give, those. yeah, please give that information because I actually would like to join a floor dance. A virtual oh, yeah, I'll definitely floor. share that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so w- one of the reasons is, is I know that you work with sexual abuse, women who are violated, and it's extraordinarily in all media stations right now. It's on our, It's on the front of our minds of women through genocide, through rape. It seems to be a historical thing that no matter what a woman does, she is shamed. And and when I think it, I know you've had your experience, you talk about that and you'll talk about that more because I know mm-hmm. with your memoir that you we're excited that you're going to share that. Your journey with porn, your experience with porn was just a short stint. And porn is just fantasy. If they wrote better scripts and had top directors directors and wrote really yeah. good filming I don't think it would be a big deal but it really <laughs> is it, fantasy and if you don't like the storyline it's not yeah. stimulating from that perspective but I do think where I'm fascinated in the work that you do is that we feel shame or we have been silenced mm-hmm. just from either religious backgrounds just punishing parents or uh, really betrayals, or people who've hurt us, or humiliated us. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me about finding the voice or reclaiming, how that helps reclaim power and how that, the body represents all that stress and tension. Yeah, there's, that's a lot of questions. But I will say, I work with people who are survivors of domestic violence, both as an attorney 
I work with the San Francisco Bar Association and take on domestic violence clients often who are also doing divorce and child custody cases. So a lot of family law. I see the exact same thing when I go Mm. across the border to Tijuana to work with legal clients who are escaping violence in their home countries and seeking asylum in the United States. Immigration cases are quite similar to a lot of the domestic cases in that a lot of the violence against women is sexual. And a lot of that comes from, I think, the religious upbringing that tells us that women are their best selves when they maintain their purity and that without purity, women can't be their full embodied selves. I actually really liked growing up Mormon. It was mm. a really good religion uh, in the sense that it it taught me a lot about community service and taking care of my fellow humans right. and that kind of thing. And it was very oriented around service for others. And so I really appreciate that aspect of the Mormon religion. And I think of my pole studios as just a different version of church, to be honest. But don't you think that's the reason I'm excited to hear that? Because I grew up very religious, too, Mm -hmm. from a Jewish background. And we didn't have, we couldn't go to a priest for redemption or to be absolved. They don't do that because I think we negotiate too much. (laughs) Interesting, yeah. There's no way a (laughs) rabbi will just give you, say, you're whatever, Hail Mary for a week and Uh because we would negotiate. Look, I'll tell you what, rabbi, if I do such and such. I do think there's a goodness that you can take, but I also love the idea of modernizing yeah. Or integrating mind, body, spirit into religion, giving it an upgrade now, like mm-hmm. a 2.0 <laughs> in today's world where there's so much abuse that we can all sit in a circle and share some, something together. That, I actually haven't heard anybody compliment religious background in the same way you have. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Mormons would understand it. Some might. Yes, but I will say one of the aspects of my religion, and I think I've heard this from so many other people who have reached out to me after they heard my story and stripped down Rise Up to tell me how they had similar puritanical religious upbringings in the sense that I was taught by my church that my value as a woman depended on the purity of my body. And so having sexual thoughts was... Wrong, uh-huh. and I learned from a very early age that my body was something to hide and something to be ashamed of, and I was my best self when it was fully covered. And yeah, covered, covered, uh, yeah, like they do in covered, the yeah, covered. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I think that's common across a lot of religions. Mormonism is a form of Christianity, and a, a lot of Christian religions share this. And it spans beyond Christian religion. Right, well. and, and Mormon was, I think, 1890 by Joseph Smith, or I, if I remember, <laughs> something around that time period. But even yeah. if you go back to eons, women were basically used for desire. They danced. If you could dance, you could live if you were a young woman. And if you gave birth to a male son, mm-hmm. you had longevity. Or you were just thrown out on the street. So it's almost like there's been centuries and centuries women with a mixed messaging and women compromising and women fearing for their life and one of the reasons i like what you're doing because it's physical yeah is it's probably helping 
that that kind of DNA cemented fear that's just come down from generation to generation, where you can actually start to give yourself permission to be free. And that's what I want to talk to you about, because freedom to me, because I work with women, represents what oh, that question, what is my signature, mm-hmm. my internal one. So how would you define yours? What's your... <laughs> What's my signature? <laughs> yeah, your internal one. Like a, you know. My way of being in the world is pretty forceful. My way of dancing, I think, is a really appropriate and correct reflection of the way that I exist in the world. I am not soft-spoken. I'm very loud. The way I laugh is very loud. And and yeah. I'm loud in a joyful way. So when I... I did a photo shoot recently with a photographer who said, can you do one picture where you don't smile? And I literally couldn't. <laughs> I was like yeah. doing all these six sexy poses with this huge grin on my face. But because you're having fun. Yeah, because this is my element. I love pole so dancing. This, this it's is, what I do. It's who I this am. This is where I think I'm, this is where what fascinates me about this. Yeah. In many circles, including myself, I'm very strong. I can uh-huh. hold my own. But if you put me into a pole dance or dance into a, just say, here we are, put, put me on a stage or even a private setting to move, mm-hmm. I bet you my body would not represent the power that I have in other areas. And here you are in alignment. Absolutely. For sure. If you've ever heard that Ira Glass quote where he says, Whatever you do, you're probably going to be terrible at it for the first five years, but just keep going. It's just, at that point, it's really just because your technique is not in alignment with your vision, but you have a strong vision for where you want to go as an artist and just keep plugging away the first five years of the hardest. And I've been yeah. pole dancing for 10 or 11 years now and owned a studio for five and and so I've had a lot of time to hone my craft. So I, at a technical level, I, it's very easy for me because I have a big toolbox of finely sharpened tools to be able to pull from when I free dance and when I dance. And the same is true when I write because I'm also an author. And, yeah. and when I do legal work, the same thing. So I think absolutely when you first get started with any artistic endeavor, really any endeavor, you're, where you where you envision yourself being is going to be slightly different from where you are technically in those first five years or just the thing to get through to the other side to where you can really pick the the technique just lives in you at that point and then you can pull it out of you depending on what style you want to dance that day. Because it's an interesting question. If you ask people, what's your relationship with pole or what do you think of pole? That would say an awful lot about how unintegrated you are sometimes with the maybe fearing certain movements because pole isn't just about sex anymore or that yeah. old-fashioned representation. That's a bit like a myth now. It's an art form, isn't it? This serious... Yeah. I just watched Seven, mm-hmm. as, which I think is part of your... The Northern California... I got a ticket. I got my friends on cool. it. Cool. Yeah. So Kimmy and, Fitz is the founder yeah. of that organization. She's and amazing. One I, of the best pole dancers in America. And I saw a woman moving. I was fascinated by a circle. She yeah. Was, 
and a, a, a pregnant woman. Yes, Leah. That's Leah Nap- Napolitano. <laughs> wow. So I've never even thought of that. How is she experiencing that with her body? I, I, that fascinates me to see women from all walks. Uh, yeah. Some wearing heels, some wearing barefoot, some mm-hmm. just completely being free and true to themselves, performing and sharing it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I did watch it, and, I, and I, that's when I thought, oh, you know what? I need to rethink this because yeah. I, I, it wasn't just women who are five foot ten or who are dancers. <laughs> it's serious, teeny women, larger women, you know, mm. pregnant women. So I, I don't know. Are you ambitious around men with this, or is this a whole different movement for men, Paul? When you say, "Am I ambitious with?" Uh, maybe helping men discover because they also deal with shame totally I think that's such an important point and we don't talk about it enough Mm. Um, I think so much of feminism is geared at women and I wonder how feminism could grow in terms of leaps and bounds I really think it could go so much farther if we also integrated men into the journey, and I think men are freed through feminism as well, and the shackles of what we tell men they have to be in order to be strong for their weaker female um, companions, would I think would would be a lot of that would be solved if yes. we brought men along on the journey of self discovery and empowerment and finding who they truly are versus who people in society have decided their gender decides they should be. And I've met a lot of men who pole dance. I teach many of them and they're by default, they tend to have a little bit more upper body strength, but so many of them are also on a journey to find what feels good in their bodies. And I think men, even less than women, are not encouraged to explore movement that makes them feel good for the sake of their soul. <laughs> the sake no, no, of, seriously. So I, um, yeah. Let me know or keep me, let me know if you're doing that because I want to help promote that. I want to reach out to men because... Yeah, we're an all-gender studio. So yeah, men, 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 women, yeah. and everyone else are but men, Yeah, but studios. men don't really hang around and talk to each other about it. And women are silenced. So mm-hmm. it's a great coming together. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So, so talking about journeys, mm-hmm. I want to hear about your book. Give me, entertain me now, because this is where I enjoy <laughs> learning about your journey. What's the, give me an intro or a lead up for people uh, to hear about what your up and coming uh, book is about, Becoming California. And yeah. if you could read an excerpt from it, I'd be uh, blown away. Absolutely. So I'll just start by telling you what it's about so that when I read, it's not coming out of nowhere. I like to think of this memoir as a subgenre of narrative nonfiction, which is a form of memoir. And I think about it as underbelly feminism. So I was Mm -hmm. 20 years old when I moved to Los Angeles to be an actress. I did not have any money. And I had $1,000 when I landed in LA and taken a Greyhound bus, basically run away from home to, to get there. And I didn't have any plans. And I just assumed I was going to be a famous actress. And it was all I had to do was show up and, and do right. the work. And often that is true. 
but I'd never taken an acting class in my life. And as I started to go on auditions, I met a bunch of actresses and I saw all these struggling actresses at these auditions and they all had the perfectly coiffed hair and like the manicures and some would buy costumes just to audition. And I realized, oh, what I really need is money. And then I can, I can take a year off of life and just audition and do all the things that these like rich girls are doing. And then I can be a real actress. So the plan was simple, make $50,000 through sex work and which was really the only high paying profession accessible to non-college educated young women. And after I made that money, I would repent and I would marry my Mormon boyfriend and I would become the self-determined woman that my mom raised me to be and what could go wrong. So So basically you're saying smart enough to not want to be a waitress on just tips or earn commission. I think that's a great way of putting it. Waitressing does not as lucrative as As 50,000 and in those days. And also... See, this is where I don't get that growing up. You could repent. <laughs> yeah. So that was your get out of jail card free, metaphorically, in a way. Basically, yeah. I was still very Mormon. And so for a yeah. while there, it was really living a double life. You know? Yeah, I know. Two and, worlds, two separate worlds coming together. So Absolutely. So on the one hand going to church on Sundays and having a long distance relationship with my Mormon boyfriend and making plans to get married in the Mormon temple. And then on the other hand, going to porn sets and Woodland Hills on the weekdays and call girling. Anyway, this section that I'm going to read like a third of the way through the book. And it was right after I met a another a fellow colleague who was also a porn star, his name was Dick Delaware. And he helped me buy a convertible in the sense that he introduced me to a guy. And I used my own money that I'd made with my own body. And I was very proud of that to buy my own first car. And it was a white convertible. And, um, and I was so excited. It was $5,000. I like bought it in a parking lot of a gas station with a cashier's check. And I was so proud yeah. So, so. Is that the first thing you bought for yourself then? That- As good Mormons are, yeah. I was very like kind of stingy with money. Like I didn't spend <laughs> a lot of money. Like I would go to Whole Foods and eat the samples for lunches. <laughs> like, yeah. So I wouldn't spend money. Yeah, but which are good yeah. anyway, you know. Yeah. yeah, they were great samples. Lots yeah. of soup. So here's the section right after I buy my first car, my my car and I'm super proud and I'm driving one of my fellow call girls to go meet a guy who she's call girling for. In the four days since Dick helped me buy my convertible in the parking lot of the Westwood Chevron with a $5,000 cashier's check, I drive my car everywhere between porn sets and Woodland Hills and hotel rooms in Culver City. On the first day, I got its white exterior painted red with a coupon out of the back of a penny saver. In my cherry red convertible, I am a bad bitch. I drive it around going nowhere, getting lost for the thrill of it just because I can. I stare at Cece. Her sunglasses have darkened under the sun. Cece, Tom Likas is giving us the playbook for how men try to lowball women. We can use that knowledge to protect ourselves. Cece groans. He calls women cum dumpsters. Not all men are trash candy. 
She applies a glitter gloss and then presses her lips together. Just most of them. I know that, but what if Tom Likas is right and the eternal struggle between men and women can be boiled down to sex and money? Cece reties the strings of her white crop top and runs her fingers through her hair. If everyone's honest about what they want, it doesn't have to be a struggle. Here, pull over. I drop Cece off at a coffee bean near the BMW dealership. Men in suits with hands in their pockets joke easily with car salesmen. They look so comfortable considering expensive things. Cece kisses me on both cheeks the way people do it in France. I feel fancy kissing her back before she jumps out. Her skirt swishes with confidence as she walks towards the men, like she belongs. I pull back onto the freeway, heading back to the city. I flip the radio on. A woman calls in to Tom and explains how she feels taken advantage of by a man who she'd had sex with. Did he take you out to dinner, Tom asks. When she says yes, he roasts her, convincing us that it had been a fair deal. I feel sorry for this woman who believes in love, who gives sex away because she thinks it is going to be in service of her relationship with a man who vanished on her after they bang. This is where the church gets it. If it's about a relationship, don't mess it up with sex. The sex should either be the point, like in sex work, or it shouldn't get in the way until after marriage, like how me and Wyatt will do it. I look at myself in the rearview mirror. Always charge for it, I remind myself. So that's the that's an excerpt from You're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to leave right now. <laughs> that's a tease. You can't leave me in the middle of all this. It's so interesting. I had a conversation how sex this whole thing about how sex dominates. In other words, the more sex you have says it all, or the lack of sex, <laughs> the lack of sex tells you something. And I love what you said. I'm sure the church will also support you on that. <laughs> but, but you make a point. And the other thing, God, I love the way you write here. Underbelly feminism. Underbelly feminism. Yeah, I think we hear what a lot. What is that? That is beautiful. Explain that to me in depth. Yeah, I think what we're what we've been hearing a lot about i think lately in third wave feminist circles is about how a lot of what is feminism is very focused on what is good for rich white people and specifically rich white women and that often leaves a lot of people out of the conversation and audrey lord has been talking about this since the 70s and in right. almost all of her books and I think we're seeing a lot more of awareness around that now. We get to hear the stories of rich white people, but we don't hear the stories of sex workers. We don't hear the stories of marginalized voices. We don't hear the stories of people who don't fit into the narrative about what it means to be successful in more, like more of an old-fashioned way, which is, I think, for many uh, in the United States, a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and, and the American dream. So this is a perspective from a voice uh, of somebody who did not have a lot of power. When I was 19 and 20, right. I, I didn't have any money and was doing sex work to support myself. And I didn't have a lot of power in the world. And I was basically begging people to put me in their movies, you know. Which so, I, a lot of people have, not all people have a lot of power and don't have a lot of money. And exactly, most people, they're 95%. Giving, they're dating and giving sex away because they're drunk or they're miserable and they're feeling cheap, whatever. <laughs> 
but they they still carry on. Sex, mm-hmm. it's it's measurable here, but this is what I find very empowering, where you say, C.C. groans, he calls women cum dumpters. Not all men are trash candy. She <laughs> applies a glitter gloss and then presses her lips together, just most of them. Along the way, you've had people support you with, come on, accept it a bit. Not all people are like that. That, I, I would have said, I don't want to call them your earth angels, or that would be interesting to call that, but they have, you've had little guides along the way that have helped you. Would you say that? Absolutely. Even Dick Delaware, my friend who was also a Mormon porn star, you know, we became, right. we called each other brothers in heaven. He helped me buy oh, my well, there you go. car. Earth he was angels. great. He, he was really like, I really thought of him that way through a religious lens, even though we were having sex in, in scenes. I thought of him much more like a brother. And when we hung out, not on camera, a lot of it was just like trying to figure out what it is to ask for forgiveness. And I know from looking at the internet that he actually did go back to the church. He did repent and right. go back to the church and is now living that that life that he was hoping he would go back to, and I'm really happy for him. Well, yeah, but it's wonderful that you had these silent moments of understanding. What's the chances of you meeting another Mormon? Think about it that way. You <laughs> on know. a porn set. Yeah, totally. Yeah, on a porn set, <laughs> who you happen to be making love with for the camera. God, I just want more. I want you to carry on reading. I know you're <laughs> looking for representation. Mm-hmm. Um and I have heard from many agents who yeah. have sent me rejections that have been very kind and, and very personalized, just been nice, that representing sex work is hard for agencies and specific agents, and that the topic of my memoir makes it harder to get. But it isn't just about sex work. It's you overcoming sure. the judgments. It's you finding yeah. a way through your own sexual repression. You finding I think a your lot voice. of it, too, is... The connection between so many people are eager to clutch their pearls and say, oh my God, sex work, you must have been so abused. And that really was not my experience. My experience was more that the patriarchy of religion and the patriarchy of Hollywood were much more similar than probably most people feel comfortable admitting. Right. And through both, women are often um, held back from their powers. So, and, and there's games nonstop. There's a lot of abuse, <laughs> not just in Hollywood, but just high-powered. Sure. Those sort of tears in life where someone is dominating you or you want something from mm-hmm. someone that has given people permission to abuse you for that in the past. So yeah. I do feel there are women who are going to empathize in different ways or come together and support you. And men that may go, you know what, about mm-hmm. time we were able, because your story isn't just about being a sex worker. Your story is about sure. you and your yeah. growth. You're Absolutely. transitional. Um, so I do feel you're going to get that. And I'm looking forward. You can't Thank leave you. us like this now. We have to get it. <laughs> We have to go on a mission to get you published here. Thank um, you. You're so sweet. So please, it's been a pleasure having you on, Amy. Yeah, it's uh, been such a pleasure chatting with you. help people find you. What's the best social? I'm at amysunshine007 on Instagram. I mostly post pole dance related content there. I also have a website with my writer, links to pieces I've published, 
at amybondwrites.com. And if you want to take a pole dance class in the Bay Area, we're at sfpolandance.com, oaklandpolandance.com, and berkeleypolandance.com. And for me, I'm going to be joining your virtual. Do I? Where do I find that? Virtual classes? All of the information for the virtual classes is on the San Francisco Pole and Dance website. So www.sfpolandance.com. And we will be posting on the podcast for people to look at. We'll be showing all the links. Amy, I hope this is the first of many conversations. I'm excited and delighted to have you as my guest. And I'm also inspired to have more confidence. Yes. To take that too. step forward. <laughs> Something in today changed me. If we've just had a conversation and I was able to open, can you imagine where women can go really expressing that freedom in their bodies? So thank you, thank you, thank you for being who you are. And wish you well and look forward to having you on as my guest again. Uh, Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for the chat, Susanna. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. I always want to thank my guests for the extraordinary work they create and share with us. If you're looking to turn up your passion with love and career, I would love to hear from you. You can find me at SusannaGallan.com. So join me next time at Loud Passions, where power and passion are waiting just to inspire you. Thank you.